Hi everyone, welcome to Crime Colts and Coffee. I'm Bryn. And happy Friday if you're listening to this when it comes out. If not, happy any other day of the week. I am currently trying to finish this episode in a timely manner today, so let's hope we can because it is so beautiful outside and I really want to enjoy this weather and be able to enjoy the rest of my day without having to record into the night. So, Let me get a move on and into the recommendations. Currently, I am watching Fear the Walking Dead because I was so upset that I finished The Walking Dead, which I've talked about so many times on this podcast, that I had to continue the saga and I had gotten into Fear the Walking Dead a while ago, but kind of fell out of it and I restarted it and I'm in season three now and it is amazing. I highly recommend you to watch this show if you haven't, especially if you were a Walking Dead fan. I wouldn't say it's as good as the original Walking Dead, and I'm definitely not as attached to the characters, at least so far, but it is so good, and I do know that there are some crossovers that are going to happen between the original series and this one, so I'm excited for that. Also, severe voice struggles today with my allergies, so bear with me, and hopefully I'm as pleasant to listen to as usual, if you consider me pleasant to listen to. Aside from that, I am still watching Firefly Lane and still loving it. And then something I've been meaning to mention, and it's very fitting that it's being mentioned with today's episode, and you will see why in a little while, but... The recommendation that I had gotten from listener Katie to watch School Spirits on Paramount Plus, I gave it a watch. I binged it in a day with my mom because we were bored. I think it was on a Sunday and it was just a lazy Sunday. And anyway, I don't need to explain myself, but we watched School Spirits and it was really good. I recommend for everyone to watch. A little bit of it was cheesy. But I think that it was it was a fun show to watch. So thank you, Katie, for the recommendation. And I can't wait to check out the other ones that you gave me. Now into our beloved coffee review. Sadly, I am still stuck in the no coffee review era with actually drinking the coffee. So today you will be given another coffee recipe. Please don't hate me. Please don't stop listening just because I'm doing recipes now. I promise eventually the reviews will be back. Now this one you are going to want to try if you want to spice up your life a bit. And it sounded not only delicious for an iced coffee drinker, but apparently it could be made for a hot coffee drinker as well. You just obviously wouldn't add the ice or make it cold in this recipe. This coffee recipe is an iced Mexican mocha coffee and it says that the prep time is five minutes and the cook time, quote unquote cook time, is five minutes with a total of 10 minutes of making your coffee. So you are going to need six tablespoons of sugar, two tablespoons of unsweetened cocoa powder, two teaspoons of chili powder, one and a half teaspoons of cinnamon, a quarter teaspoon of cayenne pepper, which is optional, and then water, cold coffee, ice if you want it cold, and milk or cream or milk alternative of your choice. So brief instructions, you're going to sift the sugar, cocoa, and seasonings together. Mix a half a cup of cocoa mix with the half cup of water. 
Heat in microwave for 20 to 30 seconds until the sugar mix dissolves into water and chill. Stir cocoa syrup into two cups of cold coffee and serve over ice with milk. And then it basically says that the cayenne pepper doesn't provide a great deal of spice in this recipe, but feel free to adjust it as you like. And then obviously if you want to add a little bit of chocolate drizzle or something like that to garnish, that's up to you. Yeah, you can make this hot as well. So added bonus. So let me know if you give it a try. As always, this recipe will be included on the Facebook page and I will post a picture on the Instagram story. And yeah, check it out. Let me know if you try it. Let me know if you like it, if you do. I typically like things with some spice or a little bit of kick to it, but truly I have never tried a coffee with additives like this in it, so I don't know how I would personally feel, but once I'm able to, you better be sure I'm going to give it a try. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. Excuse me while I have an allergic reaction. My eye is currently watering. I am coughing like crazy and hopefully not breathing too loud into the mic. So I'm going to try my best to get through this with you guys with minimal coughs. I will cut the ones that are bad. But right now I am a passenger on the struggle bus because I am too asthmatic and blind with watery eyes to drive. Anyway, today's case was suggested by listener Katie. So That is who I mentioned recommended School Spirits in the beginning, which is odd that I remembered to bring it up today, like I said, because this case was recommended by Katie. Today's episode is about Eliza Fletcher. A little bit of background, Eliza Welford Fletcher. She was known as Liza to her family and friends. She was born November 9th, 1987 in Memphis, Tennessee, and was 34 years old at the time of this story. Her mom's name was Adele Orgel Welford, and her dad was James Beasley Welford. Her brother was Gil Welford. In 2006, she graduated from Hutchison School and played soccer for the University of Memphis right after. She got her undergrad from Baylor University and graduated with her master's in teaching from Belmont University. She was religious and involved in her church community. And her husband's name was Richard Fletcher III. They met at Second Presbyterian Church, and on March 8, 2014, they got married in that church. They then had two sons together, and she was a junior kindergarten teacher in Memphis, Tennessee. She was also an heiress to local businessman Joseph Joe Orgel III. He founded a hardware supply company named Orgel, and its family ran, but Eliza opted to become a teacher instead of diving into the family business. As per an article from 2023, the business is worth $3.2 billion, although the family had made a statement that he himself, meaning Joe Orgel, was not a billionaire. The company was worth that much, but he himself was not worth that much. Some details about Eliza. She loved running and frequently took part in marathons. She was also described by her family as, quote, a born athlete. 
She was also described as loving her family, quote-unquote, fiercely and unconditionally. They would frequently go on outdoor adventures together, and they engaged in activities as a family, such as boating, hiking, and biking. So on to September 2nd, 2022, around 4 a.m., Eliza went for a run like she did almost every morning. That morning, she put on a pink sports top and purple Lululemon running shorts and put her hair up in a bun with a headband. Her normal route was near the University of Memphis campus. Around 6.45 a.m., a man riding his bike on Central Avenue had found some of her belongings along her running route. Eliza's cell phone and water bottle were found. Her cell phone had been broken, and along with her items were a pair of champion slide shoes. Reportedly, the man gave the items to one of Eliza's family members, who then gave it to police. She never returned from her run that morning. Her family soon reported her missing, and a few reports had actually stated that her husband had made a phone call by 7.45 a.m., At some point on September 2nd, the family even put a $50,000 reward out for finding her. Surveillance video was reviewed along her running route, and footage had indeed captured Eliza running that morning, as well as what had happened to her. This is what was seen. A black 2013 GMC Terrain SUV drove past her on Central Avenue. The SUV then stopped, waiting for her to run by. Around 4.20 a.m., a man then got out of the car and, quote-unquote, ran aggressively towards Eliza and forced her into the passenger side of the car. She had fought back against the man before being forced in. The SUV then remained at the scene for around another four minutes before leaving. 24 minutes before Eliza had been taken... Looking back at footage, the same SUV was seen driving around that area. So clearly whoever this was was stalking that area and had some kind of plan or some kind of intent behind what he or she was doing. Investigators released photos of the SUV to the public in hopes that someone would be able to identify it or spot it. There were some key identifying factors on this SUV that citizens were also able to look out for. This included damage to a taillight. Also, a partial license plate number was captured on camera. September 3rd, 2022, so one day later, a man had been arrested in connection with Eliza's abduction, and he had tried to run from police before being arrested. His name was Cleotha Henderson, a.k.a. Cleotha Abston, He had committed many crimes prior to the abduction of Eliza. Allegedly, he was part of the LMG gang. He had been in the system since he was 11 years old. At 14, he was arrested for allegedly raping a man. From 1995 to 2000, he had been arrested 16 times. These arrests included aggravated assault and unlawful possession of a weapon. On May 24, 2000, Henderson held Memphis attorney Kemper Durand at gunpoint and abducted him, making him get into the trunk of his car. He then robbed him, forcing him to take money out of his account from an ATM. Henderson was 16 at the time of this crime. 
November 2020, less than two years before Eliza's abduction, he was released from prison for this charge. He had served 19 years behind bars for that crime. September 2021, he allegedly raped a woman named Alicia Franklin after meeting her on a dating app, luring her to an abandoned house, and raping her in her car. She had immediately gone to a hospital and a rape crisis center where authorities interviewed her about the rape. He had not been arrested due to, quote, a long delay in processing the rape kit. And that was a quote from independent.co.uk. Some resources state that DNA hadn't been entered into the national database until September 5th, which was three days after Eliza was taken. E! News stated, quote, According to the Memphis Commercial Appeal, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation said the kit was tested June 24th. The tests came back August 29th, and a hit from a national DNA database identified Abstin. The TBI learned of the match on September 5th. He was later charged for that rape. So moving away from Henderson's criminal history and back into the morning of September 3rd, 10.45 a.m., a car matching the SUV had been seen by U.S. Marshals. It was in a parking lot close to Henderson's house. This is when they had also seen and apprehended Henderson. Some reports had also previously come in with people claiming to have seen cars matching the description and or photos of the SUV. One witness in specific had told police that they had seen a man, quote, vigorously cleaning an SUV matching the vehicle seen in surveillance footage. And that was also a quote from independent.co.uk. This man was identified as Henderson. Even with the car being cleaned, evidence and blood were found within the vehicle. September 4th, 2022, Henderson was charged with especially aggravated kidnapping and tampering with evidence. September 5th, 2022, Henderson was given further charges of identity theft, fraudulent use of a credit card, and theft of property under $1,000. Since Eliza's disappearance three days earlier, searches had been taking place for Eliza. The area near where she was taken was checked high and low. Ponds and dumpsters were checked, as well as areas like local parks. Around 5 p.m., police officers found a body in South Memphis near an abandoned elementary school. This school was less than a mile from where the witness had said that they saw a man cleaning out what they thought was the SUV. Other reports described the location in which she was found as being behind an abandoned duplex apartment. These locations were said to be about 7.5 miles from where she had been taken. It was also blocks from Henderson's brother's apartment. September 6, 2022, this was sadly identified as being the body of Eliza Fletcher. She was deceased, and she had been shot in the back of the head. There were fractures to her jaw, and there was also blunt force trauma to her right leg. As per an article from Independent, quote, according to an affidavit, Investigators from Memphis Police Department and federal and state partners 
had noticed vehicle tracks in tall grass leading to a vacant apartment. A search and rescue officer smelled an quote-unquote odor of decay and spotted a set of footprints in the rear driveway of the premises. He then saw an quote-unquote unresponsive female lying on the ground, the documents state. Other evidence was found nearby and collected. This included a shell casing and Eliza's purple shorts were also found in a garbage bag. Henderson was then faced with even more charges against him, first-degree murder and first-degree murder in perpetration of kidnapping. On this day, he made his first court appearance, and then the next day, which was September 7th, he made his second, and his bond of $500,000 was revoked. So, aside from what was already mentioned, there was other evidence tying Henderson to the crime. Eliza's body had been found close to a location where police had seized a dumpster. This dumpster contained bags that were collected as evidence, and the dumpster was also located near Henderson's brother's home. Cell phone data placed him at the scene. CCTV showed the GMC terrain nearby by the abandoned school and or abandoned duplex between 5.48 a.m. and 5.52 a.m. on the morning of Eliza's abduction. Not only had Henderson been seen cleaning out his SUV, but his brother said he had also noticed odd behavior from him on September 2nd, including Henderson washing his clothes in the sink. And last but certainly not least... DNA evidence and the CCTV footage proved that the champion slides that had been found at the abduction site belonged to Henderson. So moving into the aftermath, Alicia Franklin, who had come forward about the rape in 2021, has since sued the city of Memphis for negligence. There has also been scrutiny of the Memphis authorities following Eliza's murder. Between the fact that Henderson was a repeat, I'm going to repeat this, repeat violent offender, hadn't served his full sentence before being released in 2020, hadn't been charged with the 2021 rape, and the delay of the rape kit being processed, Many felt and feel that Eliza Fletcher's murder could have and should have been prevented. And to that I say, I concur. My opinion is obviously a drop in the ocean, but I've made it clear on this podcast how I feel about repeat violent offenders, and there is no reason for early release or second or tenth chances in situations like this one. Statistics show that he was likely to offend again, if not escalate, which he did. And sadly, Eliza's death was the result of a faulty system and should be one of the many reasons to influence growth and change within the system. So this is a quote from E! News about more that has happened after the fact. Quote, on September 29th, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee announced plans to accelerate the hiring of 50 new lab techs 
forensic scientists, and other staff to help with the backlog of rape kits piling up in the state's crime labs. The TBI said it could take about 18 months to bring staffing to that level. So at least they're acknowledging it and hopefully moving forward with that process. There have been running tributes set up in honor of Eliza all throughout the country. And by running tributes, I mean actual like marathons and races and running events for her. In Memphis, there was one called Let's Finish Eliza's Run. And this was 8.2 miles long and was also a run that Eliza liked to do, which is so sweet. Candles and flowers were left at her abduction spot. March 20th, 2023, Henderson's hearing was supposed to take place. February 3rd, 2023 was his arraignment and he had pleaded not guilty to all of the charges regarding the abduction and murder of Eliza Fletcher. His hearing has been rescheduled for May 25th, 2023. So literally two weeks from now, if it goes according to plan and isn't changed again. I want to end this episode with a portion of her obituary that I thought was absolutely beautifully written and helped me to visualize who Eliza was and what she embodied. So this is all a quote. Liza was a light to all who knew her. Her contagious smile and laughter could brighten any room. Liza was pure of heart and innocent in ways that made her see the very best in everyone she met. To know her was to love her and to be loved by her. Her impact is extraordinary, as is witnessed in the prayer groups, vigils held at the homes of friends and family, church and school gatherings, and memorial runs and walks held in her honor. The outpouring of love and grief would have surprised Liza, who never thought or acted as if she were something special. Sorry, getting choked up. I'm going to restart that because the last sentence is so beautiful. I don't want to ruin it. The outpouring of love and grief would have surprised Liza, who never thought or acted as if she were something special, though she certainly was. So that is the case of Eliza Fletcher. And as always, I wish it had a completely different ending. And I remember when this happened, but hadn't ever fully dove into the story. So thank you, Katie, for suggesting this case and bringing attention to it and allowing me to cover it on this podcast. And as always, I hope I did Eliza and her family justice by telling her story. Please, if you have the chance, take the time to look at the obituary for her written by her family. It is absolutely beautiful and it really gives you a glimpse into who Eliza was and aspects of her life and moments with her family and just the beautiful person that was taken from this world. And I wish I could have included verbatim the entire obituary, but I didn't feel that was right to do. So I wanted to make sure to at least include that little portion that really stood out and was really a powerful, like I said, visualization of the person that Eliza was. So this episode is shorter this week, and sadly, I'm not in the mindset to come up with a listener story to tell you guys, although I'm sure I have plenty. My allergies are honestly killing me. Getting through this episode has been a struggle. You don't even know how many times I had to stop and cut 
this episode because of coughing fits or just not being able to breathe. With that being said, I think I will get into the spiel for today. You can find Crime Cults and Coffee on Instagram. That's where I post pictures of coffee reviewed. I put past episodes. If you go to the highlights, you can find past episodes, all our past coffee reviews, take a dive into the past, look into my crystal ball of highlights, and any important information regarding merch or announcements or really cool listener reposts, you can always find that in the highlights as well. The link tree is in our bio that has most of the listening platforms that Crime Colts and Coffee is on. If you go to Facebook at Crime Colts and Coffee, that's where I put any resources, photos, links, calls to action, any of that good stuff, coffee recipes included in the episode. And in regards to calls to action, as I mentioned in other episodes, you can also always find those in the show notes. Just make sure wherever you need to look, you're always taking a look at those calls to action because that is one of the most important parts of this podcast aside from telling these stories. Also, if you have a listener story or a case suggestion, the listener story part is very important because I only have one on the back burner right now and I was debating telling it tonight, but I'm like, nah, I can't really do two weeks in a row of listener stories. And what if I don't get another one for a little while? And I really want to include one in a future episode. So I decided not to include it in today's episode, but this is just more motivation for you to write in. I know some of you maybe are like, oh, but it's such work to type it out. Well, then you can come on and, and say it. Just message me. I just need a synopsis of what it is. And I typically ask you to have your thoughts laid out because otherwise that's when the ums and likes will intrude into the conversation. Anyway, if you have a listener story or a case suggestion, you can email it to me at crimecoltsandcoffee at gmail.com or DM me at crimecoltsandcoffee on Instagram. Also, if you would like to leave a rate and review for the podcast, please just don't base it upon my nasally voice today or the past couple weeks, actually. If you would like to leave a rate and review, you can do that on any listening platform that will allow you to do so. Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and if you are listening on a platform that does not allow you to do so, on any listening platform of your choice, you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe, and that will let you know when new episodes come out each week. And I think with that being said, I'm going to go put some cold ice packs on my eyeballies and maybe relax, eat some dinner, watch my show... Maybe I'll put a poll up. You guys won't know what this is until tomorrow, but should I watch Fear the Walking Dead, Firefly Lane, or <laughs> jump into a random bad reality TV show? When you hear this tomorrow, you'll know what the poll was for. Or maybe you'll never know because you're listening to this episode a year from now. And yeah, that's absolutely crazy to think about. <laughs> until next week. I think I'm losing it. Bye.
more information regarding this case and our resources, follow us at Crime Cults and Coffee on Instagram and Facebook.